0: You are a God who loves us enough to uh, relieve us of our burdens as we lay them before you. You know us so well, Lord, even before we make these requests. You know the desires of our heart. And you know what uh, uh, prayers we're going to utter even before we say them. So, Lord, we offer up these issues with the various people we've mentioned. We ask you, Lord, to be with the Pickens family. And, Lord, you would uh, bless them, uh, uphold them, restore their health. Uh, They had a desire to be here to worship. And we pray, Lord, that you would find um, your spirit present with them today on the Lord's day. We pray as well, Lord, for Rhonda's cousins, uh, Paul and Kathy. Lord God, we pray for this man's salvation. Uh, May he see that his wife's sickness uh, is an indication that we all uh, have a short life on this earth and that uh, we will have dealings with a holy God afterwards. So, Lord, we pray that you would heal Kathy, if it be thy will, that it would be uh, to your honor and your glory to do so. But we pray for Paul's salvation as well. Be with our sister Janet Brown, we ask. Lord, be with Ken as he ministers to her. Um, Give the doctors wisdom. Give uh, Ken insight as to how best to take care of his wife. We pray for complete recovery. We ask you, Lord, to bless the two of them. We pray as well, uh, Lord, for the Dorfmeyers. As Mitzi is traveling this road, we pray that you would give uh, Greg wisdom and insight as to how to best care for her. May the doctors comfort Mitzi. Um, May they find joy together. And you may find joy in the spirit of the Lord. We thank you, Lord, for seeing Cliff and Martha back. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to uphold them. We pray that uh, Martha's leg would heal. And that uh, we thank you for Cliff's feeling better. We ask you, Lord, to be in a special way with Sybil and Pastor and Tricia. We thank you, Lord, for their willingness to honor their mother and father in this manner by taking care of her. We pray, Lord, for the doctor's wisdom. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would uh, make Sybil comfortable and that, Lord, uh, she would be wrapped in the presence of your love and that uh, she would rely upon the Holy Spirit for her strength. Be with Trisha and Calvin as they minister to her. We pray, Lord, that you would abide with them in a special way. And Lord, we pray for um, all these things that your name would be honored and glorified in this place on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, <clears throat> Bill and I like to take two weeks at a time. I feel it's a little bit more continuity that way, but it hasn't worked out. So he called me Friday and said, we're all sick, can you fill in? And uh, I said, well, sure. (laughs) So here I am at the last minute. We'll see how it all works out. And uh, hopefully um, the Lord will uh, bless uh, the effort. And uh, he's not going to be here next week, and I'm not going to be here next week. And so there will be another guest speaker here. So um, we'll see how that works out for you as well. So we'll try to get back on schedule and uh, make it a little bit easier on us all. So we've been going through the unseen realms, Uh, been talking about angels and hell and and, um, we find ourselves last couple of times we've been together talking about heaven and we've been talking in a very broad aspect of heaven and so today we're going to start narrowing that focus down and Providing a little bit more detail uh, about the subject of heaven, and um, so we're going to start by rubbing your brain cells together before you nod off in this heat. Um, So, with your pew mate or somebody, talk. uh, I need a list of what people, not Christians necessarily, but what does the world say happens to you when you die. What what do they think happens to you um, when when your eyes close for the final time, you take your final breath? What happens? So, any ideas along those lines? Think about that. Talk it over if you wish. What does the world think? Susan? Pardon me? Okay, um, that's out there. Whether you're a Christian or not, a lot of people believe well, You know, if there's a heaven, I'm going to go there because I'm a good person, a good life. Okay. Anything else? Nothing. annihilation. Okay. Nothing. Uh, it's called annihilationism. That once you die, it's um, that's it. It's over. And uh, so that's one of the things that people uh, believe happen out there. Anything else?
1: People compare me with others. I seem like a lot better than what I see out
0: there as well these fans, I they see that first they see themselves
1: as better than normal people therefore God will let them.
0: Yeah, they'll they'll so balance the scales out and, and negotiate with God and said, you know, I'm better than this person and so let me in and you know be good to me. Yeah. Dale? Yeah,
1: all the the
0: Okay. Rest in peace. There's no more problems to deal with. Okay, I was baptized, therefore I'm good.
2: Reincarnation.
0: Reincarnation is another one that uh, people say, well, you know, I'll just come back. Of course, the whole whole idea is that if you were good in this life, you'll come back in something better. And if you weren't, well, you may come back in something worse. Um, Idea of reincarnation. There's something out there that's called soul sleep. You know, that, uh, yeah, I, when I die, my soul just goes to sleep. And uh, it'll be uh, waking up later. Al? Uh, okay. Legalism, okay? I followed the Ten Commandments, therefore I'm good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And if you get into the New Age movement, um, when you die, your energy that is inside you goes out into the universe and becomes one with the universe. And you become. So that's another point of view. So, so uh, those are the concepts that are out there. And so, but let's take a look at what, see what the Bible has to say what happens when we die. So I've got some uh, verses here. I'm going to assign to some people, and we'll read through some of those, and we'll kind of see what uh, Scripture has to say uh, when we die. Um, Wade, would you take uh, e- Ecclesiastes 12:7? And Quentin, would you look up Luke 23:43? Adam, would you look up Philippians one twenty through twenty-three? And Al, would you look up Revelation six, nine through eleven? we'll see what the scripture has to say about what happens when we die. Ecclesiastes 12.7 Then
1: the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will
0: return to God and Okay. We were created in Genesis out of the dust of the earth. The body will decay, return to the dust. The soul will go to the Again, return to God who gave it. Luke twenty-three, forty three. And he said to him, truly today will be with me Okay. So here is Jesus talking to the thief on the cross. You're gonna die in a matter of hours. But because of your profession, that's not the end. Philippians 1, 20 through 23. Look at... yeah, sorry, still... skip up Philippians chapter 1. Yeah. Skip us for a minute. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then I'll read uh, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 1 through 10. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and we are burdened because we do not wish to be clothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that while this mortal may be swallowed up by life, now the one who has fashioned us for this, up, for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in our body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due to us, and things done while well here in the body, were good or whether they were good or bad. So we see a couple of things pointed out here that... Uh, we're gonna. We have an earthly body that will be put aside. We're gonna have a heavenly body. He talks about um, a, a heavenly tent. Uh, that he also talks about. Uh, we'd be at home in the body uh, uh, with the Lord. Um, we'd be in His presence. He says that uh, um, we would also be uh, before Him in judgment. Um, so that's something else that will happen after us. Got it? Philippians 20, 20? Verse 20. Mm-hmm. 20 to 23? Yeah. I eagerly
3: expect and hope that I will no, in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far.
0: Okay. So if he departs this earth, he's going to be with Christ. Um. And Revelations 6, 9-11. through When the way So we see here that uh, those who have died uh, are in the presence of God. We see that there's a communication between them and God, um, a a talk, um, a a means of of conversing, um, not on an equal basis. We also see that um, some people would suggest that there's some kind of a a body that would take place here because they, they were given white robes to wear, um, yet other people will say uh, in verse 9, uh, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of the martyrs. Some people will say, well, no, those are just the souls of the people. I'm not going to be adamant one way or the other, but uh, we know that whatever state it is, you're going to be in the presence of God, and God will uh, bring justice upon the land. Uh, we have... So- Some thoughts here that the martyrs are aware of what's happening on the earth. You know, how long is it going to take, Lord, for your justice to be uh, true? So um, these are some of the things that the the Bible says happens after we die. The body will return to dust. The soul will stand before God in judgment. Uh, There is a place called heaven or paradise, a physical place. Uh, where we will uh, uh, stand and be with Christ for, uh, with him forever. Um, And eventually uh, there will be a a resurrected body that we will uh, incur, a a heavenly body. Um, Any other things that you picked up from any of those readings that we just had? Something else that... um, Struck you?
2: Uh, with the um, access to God directly, I was comforted in that the martyrs were not afraid to ask a difficult question, uh, certainly in reverence and humility. Um, and He comforted them. I, I found that so comforting to me that there's that personal as the voice said before God relationship and it is a relationship uh, of love and reverence to him and and mercy and kindness
0: for those who couldn't hear she's talking that um, that, uh, a loving relationship was exhibited there in in revelations between uh, the redeemed and God and he uh, comforted them saying you know In a little while, it'll it'll happen. So, and then he gave them the robes, also a means of comfort. Anything else struck you in any of those verses? All right. Theologians refer to this period between a believer's life on earth and our resurrected life on the new earth as the intermediate heaven, or a term sometimes used called the present heaven. Yet after our death and before we enter this present heaven, we will face some referred to as the judgment of faith. Hebrews 9.27 says, And it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment." The outcome of this judgment determines if we go to the present heaven or to the present hell. Now this first judgment depends not on what we have done, not on our works that we performed, but rather it depends on our faith in Jesus Christ. It is not what we have done here during our time period on earth, but what Christ has done for us. And if we've accepted Christ as our Savior, our Lord, our King, um, then he is going to welcome us into uh, this present heaven. Now this judgment should not be confused with what is commonly called the white throne judgment or the final judgment, and that's based on works. Uh, Both believers and unbelievers will face judgment of works. Our works doesn't affect our salvation, but they will have an impact on our rewards. And on, in that case, the, our rewards will be uh, given uh, at that final judgment uh, of God. It talks about giving crowns out uh, to, to um, people. Some will have more crowns than others. Pardon me? Place. At, Christ's um, yeah. at, at Christ's return oh, okay. right. so in the present heaven people are waiting for Christ to return and make a culmination of everything All right. So this present he- heaven is a, a period or, and a place in which we live between our death and, the, uh, and our resurrection into uh, our resurrected bodies. Turn over to uh, 1 Thessalonians four, um, verse thirteen. First Thessalonians four thirteen. We're going to read verses 13 through 18. Uh, Mr. Montreux, do you have that? One of the things that we talked about at the beginning that the, earth, the world says is that uh, your soul falls asleep. And this is one of the verses that they use to indicate that. Do you think it's actually asleep or is this a, a meaning for something else? Die, okay. I don't
4: know where get because death
0: Okay. So you've got You've already you read my notes, right? <laughs> Good deal. Alright. Sleep here is another word for death, a temporary condition to be followed by rising up to resume life. We know this because we can interpret Scripture with Scripture. In Luke 16, 22 through 31, Christ describes Lazarus in heaven and the rich man in hell as being conscious, not asleep, and totally aware uh, of what's going on immediately after death. Luke 23:43, Jesus told the thief on the cross, Today you'll be with me in paradise. You're not going to go to sleep. Paul declares in Philippians 1.23 to die is to be with Christ. And uh, 2 Corinthians 5.8 Paul says that to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. So your soul isn't being tucked away from someplace, asleep, until Christ's uh, second coming. Um, So I believe these passages make it clear that there's no such thing as soul sleep. I think... uh, that uh, argument can be put to rest. At the time of our deaths, uh, that doesn't happen. We are immediately relocated to either the present heaven or the present hell. Every reference in Revelation, as as Cliff said, uh, to humans talking and worshiping in heaven before the resurrection of dead bodies show that our spiritual beings are conscious, not sleeping Uh, After death. And besides, nearly every group of people that believe in this soul sleep believe that uh, the souls are disembodied spirits. And I don't know about you, but I slept last night in a human physical body. Sleep is is pertaining to a physical uh, body and not the soul. So when we usually refer to heaven, we mean the place that Christians go when they die. And this is the present or intermediate heaven. But by definition, intermediate, an intermediate state or location is only temporary. It's only temporary. In the present heaven, we will be in Christ's presence and we will be joyful and uh, I'm totally amazed, and will be in total awe of the presence of our Lord and Savior and God. We will have this communion, but we'll be looking forward to our bodily resurrection and our permanent relocation to the new earth. So when we, <clears throat> when believers die, we will not go to the present heaven to live forever. There we will wait for the time of Christ's return to the earth, our bodily resurrection, the final judgment, and the creation of the new heavens and the new earth. We know only God is eternal, and only God is self-existent. That's a basic supposition of Christianity. All else is created, so, heaven is not equal with God, nor is it part of his eternal being. Therefore, God must have created heaven. Heaven is not a place where God must dwell, but is a place where God chooses to dwell. Because, because God created heaven, it has a beginning and it therefore neither timeless or changeless. It had a past, the time before before Christ's incarnation. It has a present, the heaven where believers go when they die. And it will have a future, the eternal heaven on the new earth. So life in heaven... Uh, We go when we die, uh, where we will dwell before our bodily resurrection occurs. And to paraphrase Paul, it's a much better place than living here with the curse. Because we'll be in the direct presence of a holy God. This intermediate heaven is better than earth. It is still not our final destination. Some Bible scholars argue that the new earth should not be called heaven. But it seems to me that wherever God's special dwelling place is, by definition, is heaven. And we know that this new earth is where God will dwell. Uh, Revelation 21, verse 3, uh, this will be the dwelling of God will be among men. And so I think we could safely, I could safely say this new earth um, would be heaven because God will be dwelling there with man. So questions arise. What is heaven like? And what will heaven be like? And they each have two separate answers. Because... Heaven is <clears throat> changed, which we know is going to be different on the new earth than it is right now. So the present heaven, or intermediate heaven, is in what we call the angelic realm, um, distinctly separate from earth, yet it has some physical qualities as well. We know that Christ is present in this present heaven. He rose with a physical body, so we know that there's at least that much physical uh, connection. Um, we, they talked about uh, being able to identify each other. Um, Lazarus and the rich man knew each other. Um, we know that uh, Moses and Elijah were identified on the Mount of, Mount, on the Mount of uh, Transfiguration. Um so there is some physical connection there with this present heaven. The future heaven will be in the human realm. Present heaven is in the angelic realm. The New heaven will be, and earth will be on the human realm. Revelation 23 or 21 verse 3 says, "Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth." from the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea and I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying look God dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Heaven, which is God's dwelling place, will one day be on the new earth. Notice that the new Jerusalem, which was in heaven, will come down out of heaven from God. Where does it go? It goes to the new earth, coming down. From that time on, the dwelling of God will be with his redeemed people on earth. And that will be the eternal heaven, different from the one that we're talking about today. That God would come down to the new earth to live with us fits his original plan. It's not any different than what he originally intended it to. He's just restoring it. God could have taken Adam and Eve up to heaven to commune with them in his world, but instead in Genesis we are told that God came down to walk with them in their world. John 14.23 says, My Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. And this is the picture of God's ultimate plan. Not to take us up to live in a realm made for him but to come down and live with us in the realm that he made for us so the present heaven and the new earth may have some differences but one thing they have in common that will stand <coughs> that we will stand in the presence of the Creator the sustainer God Almighty have that in common between the two, whether we pass from this earth early or we're here when Christ returns. We'll have that in common. Turn to uh, Romans chapter 8. Verses uh, 1 through 18 or 1 through 17 talk about the redemption of man. Because of God's mercy and grace and the work of salvation of his Son Jesus Christ, we came became new creatures. Verses eighteen through twenty seven talks about a different kind of new uh, creation a new redemption and it deals with uh, the current earth it says here in verse 18 I'll read through verse 27 I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed unto us for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with his will of God. We see here something happening with the creation. What's going on with the creation? It's in turmoil. It's groaning. Why is it in turmoil? It's,
3: the sin is affecting that as well.
0: The sin of man is affecting that as well. So we see that here an indication that not only did Christ die for, the, for his people, a redeemed people, but he is dying in a, in a way to cleanse the creation of this curse. The creation is groaning. And by doing this... It helps prepare the way for the new earth uh, to be established. So not only does God save a a certain people, but he also is cleansing the creation from that curse that was caused in order to reestablish the new heavens and the new earth. The entire universe was uh, created for God's glory, and it was corrupted when man rebelled and uh, the curse of sin was brought upon it. So just as he promised to make men and women new in Christ, he promises to renew the earth itself. Isaiah 20 or 65:17 says, "See, I will create new heavens and a new earth." Isaiah 66:22, "As the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me," declares the Lord. So will your name and descendants endure? 2 Peter 3:13. In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, where the righteousness dwells. And in Revelation 21:1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. So Christ's mission is both to redeem what was lost in the fall of man and to destroy all challengers to God's dominion, his authority, and his power, which would have been the remnants of the curse. So when everything is put in order, and put under the feet of Christ, when God rules all of mankind, and mankind rules the earth with God, and we will be under the authority of Christ, the King of Kings, at last all of this would be what God had intended in the first place. Any comments or thoughts about redeeming the, the earth creation? All right, let me close with uh, some final thoughts about the present heaven. Present heaven is normally invisible to those living on earth. We talk about unseen realms. That's what we've been discussing here. And for some people, that's hard to accept, to have faith in something unseen. But you might want to consider some of our leading scientists at Yale and Princeton and Stanford. Some of these leading scientists claim that there are ten, not just one, but ten unobservable dimensions. And they believe that there's likely an infinite number of universes. That's how they explain life here on, on the planet Earth, that If there's an infinite number of universes, one of them had to establish life like we have it. So that's how they justify our existence without God. This is all part of what their study is called string theory. They believe in these unseen dimensions and they believe in the infinite number of universes. So our leading scientists believe it it shouldn't be too difficult for us to embrace one unobservable dimension, a realm that contains heaven and hell and angels. The Bible teaches that sometimes humans are allowed to see into heaven. When Stephen was being stoned because of his faith in Christ, he gazed into heaven And it says, But Stephen, full of Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This was not a dream. Stephen actually saw heaven open up. Dr. Wayne Gruden points out that, quote, Stephen did not see mere symbols of a state of existence. It was rather his eyes were opened to see a spiritual dimension of reality which God has hidden from us in this present age, a dimension which none of, nonetheless really does exist in our space-time universe. And with Jesus now lives in his physical resurrected body and waiting even now for a time when he will return to earth, Well, I agree that the present heaven is in a space-time universe. I'm not going to go so far as to say, like Dr. Gruden, that it's in our universe. It could be one next to us uh, that uh, God has opened up to us. But um, anyways, I believe it is a physical uh, in time and space. In either case, it seems uh, likely that God didn't merely create a vision for Stephen in order to make heaven appear physical. Rather, he allowed him to see the present heaven that was and is physical. The same might be said with Elisha's servant in 2 Kings. The horses and chariots may exist beside us in our own universe, but we are normally not able to see them, Or they may be in a universe beside us that opens up into ours so that the angelic beings can move between the two places. Well, the next time I'm up here, we'll talk more in detail about the new earth, about the eternal heaven instead of this present heaven that we've talked about today. Any comments or thoughts about what we talked about? discussed. Dale? Yeah a uh,
1: well, uh,
0: you believe that there's only one in judge?
1: Only one what?
0: No, I Ju- uh, I mentioned that there's probably two. Uh, upon our death uh, what's appointed us to once die then judgment, which I think is a judgment of faith to determine whether we would go to heaven or hell. And then there would be a judgment for our works, which would be the white throne judgment. Okay. What he's saying. It's the fans. Huh.
2: I, I think he's saying that if there's a second judgment, if there's a judgment of faith there in heaven, he's saying that that's it. Because the white throne judgment, we would always be in fear waiting for that second judgment, hmm. white throne judgment, as to
0: whether we're worthy of
2: our. Am I right, Bill? Very yeah,
1: but
0: but if you're judged when you die, you're already in heaven. So there should be no fear. You should be enjoy, enjoying your God at that time.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, we give the crowns
2: back
0: anyway. Yeah, we throw the crowns back to them yeah, and submit. Anyways, so that, yeah.
5: Yeah. That's right.
2: that's what right. the martyrs were saying. How long? You let's get to that final justice done. Good ideas.
0: Thank you. Thanks for the input. Anything else? Good point.
3: Well, like, when I read about Paul in Philippians, it was interesting. You know, he he was deciding, where, which way should I go? You know, and he wanted to go with the Lord, but his time wasn't done yet. And I guess Christians, we sometimes, especially before we're like, I just want to go to heaven. I just want to be with God. And that's probably a long we should have, but it's it's his choice to win call us. Right. And we still have work to do here until the very end. Right. And um, even though it's a struggle... Don't think you're had anything left, God can still get have something for you to do.
0: Good point. Dale, would you close this in prayer? Or you got a point? appreciate that. Can you close us in prayer? Your yeah. are